Good morning, brothers and sisters. I came up here without my notes. And that would have been a, an awkward thing. All right, um, this morning, turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 13. And this morning we are scheduled to cover both 13 and 14. And as you will see, it's quite too much to cover, so we will do our best. Um, we will read a portion of both chapters this morning, instead of reading the entirety of both chapters to save some time. So Leviticus chapter 13, we'll begin to read a verse 1. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 1. Reads, And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man has, has on his skin of his body a swelling, a scab or a bright spot, and it becomes on his skin, uh, and it comes on the skin of his body like a, like a leprous sore, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest, or to one of his sons the priest. The priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body. And if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Then the priest shall examine him and pronounce him unclean. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, the priest shall isolate the one who has the sore seven days. And the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore appears to, ha uh, appears to be as it was, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall isolate him another seven days. And the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. And indeed, if the sore has faded and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab should at, uh, should at all spread over the skin, after he, had, after he has been seen by the, by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again, and if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is leprosy. When a leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, and there is spot of raw flesh in the swelling, it is an old leprosy on the skin of his body, the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not isolate him, for he is unclean. And if leprosy breaks out all over the skin, and leprosy covers all the skin of the one who has the sores, from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. And indeed, if the leprosy has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean who has the sore, it has all turned white. He is clean. All right, we'll pause there. Skip to chapter 14. Chapter 14 and verse 1. Chapter 14, verse 1. And then the Lord spake to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leopard for the day of its cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the, out to, out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed on the leper... Then the priest shall command, uh, shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living, clean birds, 
cedarwood, scarlet, and hyssop. The priest shall command, the, command that the one bird be killed in an earthenware vessel over running water. And as for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedarwood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them in the living, uh, and, and dip them, and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is to be cleansed from leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let, uh, and shall let the living bird loose in an open field. He who, is, he, he who it is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all his hair, wash himself in water, that he may be clean. After that he shall come into the camp, and shall stay outside his tent seven days. And on the seventh day, he shall shave off, he shall shave all the hair of his head and uh, of his beard and of his eyebrows. All his hair shall be shaved off. He shall wash his clothes and wash his body in water, and he shall be clean. And on the eighth day, he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one, one ewe lamb of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering and one log of oil. Then the priest who makes, who makes them clean shall present the man who is to be clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall take one lamb and offer it, offer it as a trespass offering and a log of oil and wave them before the Lord. Before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where the... Uh, where he kills the sin offerings and the burnt offerings in a holy place. For as the sin offering is, is, is the priest, so is a trespass offering, it is most holy. The priest shall take some of the blood of the, of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the, tips, on the tip of the right ear of he who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on, and on the big toe of his right foot. And the priest shall take some of, the, some, uh, some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his left hand. And the priest shall dip his right finger in the oil that is on his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil with his finger seven times before the Lord. And the rest of the oil in his hand, the priest shall put some, of the, some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot, on the blood of the trespass offering. And the rest of, of the oil that is, <clears throat> that is in the priest's hands, he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. And the priest shall offer the sin offerings and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanliness. Afterwards, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him and he shall be clean. May the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. Now, you may be thinking this morning, what in the world did we get ourselves into this morning? I know what you're thinking because I thought it the same thing. But let me, let me pause to alleviate your worries. When we consider these chapters in the book of Leviticus, or when we consider this section in the book of Leviticus, from chapter 11 to about chapter 15, these are, these are called the laws of, of purification, the, the laws concerning the clean and the unclean. 
Now, I, 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 I did some, some math, and, and well, actually, I, I didn't do the math myself. I heard it uh, from another brother, so I, I, I'll confess that right now. It's not my own, own original thought, but I've learned that the word unclean is found over a hundred times in these four chapters. Now, that should speak to us. That should say something to you and I. There's obviously the main thrust of these passages are concerning clean and unclean, concerning God's holiness and those things that are not holy, meaning unclean, right? Now, as you can, you can recall, we're, we're, we're picking this up. When the children of Israel are in the wilderness, the, the, the tabernacle has been erected and has been consecrated. The priesthood is in, is in place. And the Lord is giving the law concerning what is clean and unclean to the children of Israel. Why? Why is it so important? Well, it, it's, it's, actually, it's actually a couple of chapters over. In chapter 11, uh, there in verse 44, it says, For I am the Lord your God, you shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. You see, God is now dwelling in the presence amidst his people. And God is holy. Therefore, he demands his people to be like him, holy. And in order for them to be consecrated, set apart, holy, clean before a living God, God sets out these rules of what is clean and not clean. And he starts off in chapter 11 concerning uh, what is clean for them to eat and unclean for them to eat. What is clean for them to touch and not to touch and so forth. And so we pick up our passage here in Leviticus chapter 13 concerning the issue of leprosy. Now, I did a little research on leprosy, and I'm not an expert by any, by any degree. But let me tell you a little bit of what I've learned concerning leprosy. Number one, we can kind of glean from the passage that we read itself. If you, if you recall, as we read chapter 13, it says, if there is a spot... Or a, or a swelling. Now, from what I understand, those Hebrew words there are, are, are but a minute little spot. It could start as a tiny little speck. It may seem uh, insignificant, but it, it has a very small start. You know, another thing I learned about leprosy is that it slowly grows. It slowly grows. And, and if a person is, is ailed with leprosy, it may begin with a small spot, but after years of living, that spot may, may, may spread through most of his body or her body. It's a debilitating disease. The third thing I learned about leprosy is that there is no cure for leprosy. There is no cure. There is nothing that man can do to cure leprosy. In fact, it's, it's obvious in the text we just read this morning, right? We, we have 59 verses in chapter 13 of Leviticus on how the priest was to detect leprosy. Not one verse concerning how to treat leprosy. Isn't that interesting? Now, I say all that to point out this. 
leprosy to us could not be a better picture of the sinful nature of humanity. At first, I should think leprosy was just a picture of sin. And it's not just sin, it's the whole package. We read over and over in, in, our, in, our, in our verses in chapter 13 that if the sore was deeper than the skin, you see, we're not dealing with just the issue of the, 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 the maturation of sin. We're dealing with the basis or the root of the problem, and it's the sinful nature in mankind. That's why leprosy is seen throughout all Scripture. It's one of the most common diseases talked about in Scripture, leprosy. You know, it really is a striking image to us of our own personal sinful nature. You know, I, I've made mention that, that it starts as a small little spot. An insignificant swelling, an insignificant dot. And it grows and it grows and it takes over more and more. Is that not true of you and I? Has any of you, have any of you adults have been able to retain the innocence of your childhood? No. Yet I see it in my own children. As they grow up, the sinful nature begins to creep up in them. And that innocence of the child slowly begins to fade away. And, and you know what's also interesting about our sinful nature? It never really stops, does it? It never really hits pause. The older we get, somehow the more into diverse sins do we get involved in. You know, another thing that I failed to mention to you is, is that the, the, the leprous sore has a numbing effect on the person who has the sore. You see, when that, when that sore first comes up and the, the, the flesh is raw, it's painful. It's painful to look at. But after some time, that spot, the nerve endings are killed. And it doesn't doesn't feel painful anymore to the person. Isn't that like sin in our hearts and in our lives, isn't it, brothers and sisters? You know, when we first fall into a sin for the first time, there's remorse in our heart. There's maybe even tears shed. But if we continue in that sin, brothers and sisters, what happens? Oh, that, that sensitivity. The consciousness of the sin in our lives becomes numb and hardened. And we go on sinning like, like, like if it was breathing. And so we see leprosy. How it typifies to us our sinful nature. Now, I must move on and move on quickly. My next point to you and I want, you to, I want you to realize and see this, is the meticulous order in which the Lord instructed the priest to look upon these spots. Once again, you, you understand that we're talking about the assembly of Israel, the children of Israel who are gathered around the tabernacle. Technically, they're God's redeemed people. 
And God is holy, and he cannot have any defilement, any uncleanliness before him. So there has to be special care taken by the priest in diagnosing the problem. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, what was the choices that the priest had to make when, 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 a, when an individual came to him with a sore? Because they thought it was leprous. Or, or someone said, this person has a leprous sore. Well, the priest had to look at the sore. Examine the sore. Maybe put, isolate the person. Put him away for seven days. Come back and look at it again. Examine it again. I, if you notice, over and over, it says the, the priest had to look upon it. The priest had to examine. In fact, it even says the priest has to consider Now, where am I, what am I getting at here? You see, the priest had two choices. Either to find the sore to be leprous and a defilement to God himself and a defilement to the assembly of God and would have to put this person outside the camp. Or he had to find the sore to be non-leprous and to declare this person clean. Now, when a person is put outside the camp, that is the same as putting someone out in discipline, in excommunication. Now, the point I want to bring to you and the point I want to resonate with you is when we consider these things in regards to sin, in regards to judging sin in yourself and amongst God's people. It should not be done haphazardly. It should not be done at a whim. It should be done in calmness, in patience, in wisdom, and in much prayer. For you see, the holiness of God dwelt among the people of, of the children of Israel there that, that, at that time, right? Are you and I not the temple of the Holy Spirit? Does God not dwell amongst us? Are you not supposed to be holy? For he is holy. 1 Corinthians 3, 17 goes on to say that if anyone defiles the temple, what happens to him? God will destroy. You see, the parallels are very simple here, aren't they? When we're dealing with sin in our own lives, as in the corporate assembly as well, sin should be dealt with seriously, patiently, and in wisdom. Now, I, I would like to go through the steps in which the, the priest would go through to, to find a leprosaur, to determine what it is, and to, to put a, the, the leopard out. You see, if someone would, just like we read in chapter 13, a person has a swelling, a spot, a, a bright white spot or, 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 or a spot of raw flesh, he would go before the priest. The priest would examine it. And, 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 the, and the, thank the Lord, the Lord, he, he's given us a guidebook. He's given us instructions on how to deal with it. And you see, the priest would look upon it. Well, if the swelling uh, is, is, uh, has hair on it and the hair has turned white, it says, well, it's leprosy. That person's automatically clean, unclean. He should be put out. It's a clear sign. If there's, there's a sore, an open swelling, a, a, a raw flesh, and, and hair on it, which is white, it is leprosy. He is put out. Sometimes when, when, we, when we go to determine the sin of a person in the assembly, it's not that simple. 
It's not that cut and dry. But you see, if the person comes and he has a sore and it's open and it's raw, but the hair on the sore is not white, well, the priest has to stop and consider and examine. And then he'll say, okay, well, we're, we're going to isolate you, we're going to quarantine you for seven days. And after seven days, he's going to go back to, to the person and look at the sore, see if it spread at all, see if the hair turned white. And if it, if it didn't spread, if the hair didn't turn white, guess what? Another seven days. Two weeks. Two weeks isolated, locked up, away from anyone. And on the, on the 14th day, the priest is supposed to go out and, and look at the sore again. If the, if the sore doesn't spread and the hair is not white, then the priest shall pronounce the, the, the man or woman clean. It is not a leprous sore. But it took 14 days. It took the patience of the priest. It took the, 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 the calm wisdom and experience to make that determination. Now, the, the adverse needs to be said as well, right? If after 14 days he goes and checks, in the, and guess what? The sore has spread beyond its, its original borders. And, and, and the, the flesh is still raw and the hair has turned white. The priest has an obligation to declare him unclean and to put him out. Put him out. Now those are very difficult things, brothers and sisters. Very hard things. But one of the gracious things about this, this portion of Scripture is that as much as we understand that leprosy, there is no cure for leprosy. Man cannot cure leprosy. There does seem to be provision in the Scriptures. There does seem to be implied that a man can be healed from leprosy, can he not? For if there was no cure, why would God implement a law in chapter 14 concerning the cleansing of the leopard? You know, it's a very important point to be made and made again. If leprosy signifies the issue of, of, of our sinful nature, nothing we can do can make it better. But who can deal with our sinful nature? Who can deal with what's at, at, at our heart, our evil heart? The Lord can. The Lord can. You know, our brother Aaron brought it up this morning, did he not? There in Luke chapter 5. There in Luke chapter 5, Luke, Luke puts it very vivid. They're the physician, that, that brother Luke was a physician, and he says, a man, he said, he says he was full of leprosy. Full of leprosy. What a, what a, what a horrid thing that must have been. When we consider what, what, what leprosy does to an individual, not just to his physical body, but what it does to him concerning the assembly of God. He's declared unclean, and therefore, I, I didn't read it, but in chapter 13, verse, uh, verse 44, it says, He is a leprous man. He shall be unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore uh, that is on his head. Now the leopard 
on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head shall be bare, and he shall cover his mustache, and he shall cry, unclean, unclean, and he shall be unclean all the days he has the sore, and he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone, and his dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, saints, that's a serious thing, to be put outside the camp. To be placed outside the camp, what does that mean? Is it just that you're not going to be around your friends and your family? Yes, that's true, but that's not the worst part. In fact, that doesn't even come close to the reality that when we consider what it means to be put out of the camp, well, what's in the camp, first of all? Well, what's at the center of that camp? But the presence of Jehovah himself. The presence of the living God dwelt amongst his people there in the wilderness. And to be put outside the camp meant that you could never step near the presence of God. That you could never have communion with Jehovah, the living God. That your uncleanliness kept you separate and alone and outside of any fellowship or communion with the living God. That was the, the worst thing. Now, when we go, go back and consider Luke chapter 5, there when that, that leper, who, who Luke says, is full of leprosy. It's not one who just had a spot and just found out. But it's a poor soul that has been on the outskirts of civilization, on the outside, for years, decades probably. And his disease had, had, had grown to an extent that Luke would say he was full of leprosy. And let me tell you, I, I, I didn't delve too much in it, but pictures of leprosy aren't exactly a pleasant thing. They're, they're, they're kind of grotesque. And to imagine this poor man standing there, full of leprosy, crying out to Jesus, crying out to the living God, if you are willing, if you are willing, Jesus, thou can make me clean. You see, as much as that man wanted to be healed, he could not do anything to fix his own situation, could he? All he could do is watch as things progressively got worse and worse. To the point that his body was completely decaying with leprosy. And he saw no end to his peril. Oh, but when he heard of the man, a man who healed the sick, who made the blind to see, who had compassion upon sinners, he knew if, I, if there was anyone that could heal him, it was that man. It was the God-man Jesus and he had faith, did he not? He didn't doubt the, the, the ability of Christ to heal him. He says, if, if you are willing. Not that the Lord can. He can. But look at the, the attitude of the heart of that man. If you are willing, Lord. He knows the situation that he's in. He's covered from, with leprosy from head to toe. What good is he to the living God? What good could he bring to God? Nothing. 
is almost as he said to the Lord, if you are willing, but I understand if you don't want to. Because I know who I am. I know what I am. And the Lord turned to him in compassion. He didn't just say the words, did he? He reached out and touched him. Could you imagine a man who's lived his life, majority of his life, outside the camp, all by himself? Probably hadn't felt the warmth of a human body near him or on him for decades. And here is the Lord of compassion reaching out and touching him. One must point out, don't you? We have to point out and we have to observe that, yes, the man was a leprous man. He was unclean. And the law would be very clear. Anything he would touch would become unclean. Every bed he would lay on would be considered unclean. Every garment he would touch would be unclean. Why? Because his uncleanliness would be transferred to anything he would touch. Oh, but when the Lord Jesus reached out and touched him, oh, he didn't impart his uncleanness to our Lord. Not one bit was the Lord defiled in that moment. Quite the opposite. The holiness of him who sits at the right hand of God was imparted upon that man. Was imputed upon him his righteousness and he was cleansed. And the Lord exhorted him to what? To go and show yourself before the priest. For a testimony. Let us consider now the cleansing of the leopard. The cleansing of the leopard. The Lord graciously left that provision for them. Even though in Scripture we don't know of any leopard being healed from his ailment except Nahum, right? Nahum came, came to, the, to the king of Israel and said, I, I, I can't, I've come here for a cure. And what did the king of Israel do? He rent his clothes and said what? <laughs> Am I God? I, I can't heal leprosy. I... I no one can heal leprosy but God himself. Yet God left his provision here for a leopard who was to be found cleansed. And it's a beautiful picture of you and I and redemption. Because you and I are born in, in, in our sinful nature and our sinful being and in our, in our corrupt beings and heart. And we, like a leprous person, are standing outside the camp. Outside of fellowship with the living God. But there is hope. There is redemption. There is, there is salvation to be had. You see, the, the, the first point I want to bring to you is that there, it says that the priest, <clears throat> that the priest had to what? Go outside the camp. The priest shall go out of the camp. Now it's an important point to, have, to be said and to be had. 
for all intents and purposes, the, the earthly priesthood, all they could ever do is look. All they could ever do is examine. All they could ever do is consider. But they could do nothing to help the leper. Thanks be to God that one day, we learned about it this morning, did we not? In Philippians chapter 2, he humbled himself. And he came in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he came of no reputation. You see, that priest had to go outside the camp. What did that mean? Well, the, the priest who, who labored in the tabernacle, who labored next to the presence of God on a daily basis, would have to leave the presence of God and go outside the camp to meet the leper. Is that not a picture of incarnation? Is that not a picture there of our Lord, there in the glories of heaven? He did not consider a, 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 a thing to be grasped at. He didn't look at the glories of heaven and said, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to let this go. Not, not, not for those wretched people. He didn't consider it something that he could not let go. He, he set it aside and, and he came down to this earth in the likeness of mere men. For who? For wretched sinners like you and I. And it reads that the priest commands that there should be two, two doves, two, two birds, two clean birds to be brought, along with some cedar, some hyssop, and some scarlet thread. And he'll, he commands that one of the birds would be killed. That they would be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. Now let me say that again. He commanded that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. That's quite an image, isn't it? Well, let's look at each one individually. Well, what's an earthen vessel? Well, an earthen vessel is a clay jar or a clay bowl. It's pretty simple. Well, what does the scripture call you and I? Oh, we're nothing but pottering the hands of the potter, are we not? Are we not dust from the ground? Are we not vessels of this earth? Now follow an earthen vessel, a sacrifice, a blood atoning. A bird died and shed his blood over running water. If the priest coming out of the camp typified to us the incarnation. This bird typifies to us the, 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 the earthly sacrifice of our Lord's fleshly body. Earthly body, I should say. You see, his body was broken. His body was, was, was shed. His blood was shed, I should say. And what is this thing about running waters? At first, I used to think it was, oh, well, well it was there when the, when the Roman soldier gashed his side with a spear and, and there came blood and water running down. But it's more significant than that. 
Because it was, it's, it's running water. It, it's, it's the idea of holding a bowl and the bird over, over a flowing creek or a flowing river. And I was brought to this verse in Hebrews chapter 9. It says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot, you see, a lot of times in Scripture, the idea of flowing water typifies to us of the Spirit of God Himself. And there, this simple bird being sacrificed, its blood shed in an earthen vessel over the running waters typifies of the sacrifice on Calvary's cross. And there, the priest would then take this earthen vessel with the blood that was spilled, and he then takes it, and he sprinkles it upon the one who's to be cleansed, the, the leper, seven times. Seven times. And he declares him, what? Clean. The one who, who could not help his situation, the one who could not enter into the presence of God, who could not enter into the assembly of God's people, was now declared clean because of that, the blood of that little bird, that clean bird. We go on and we learn that he, he then commands that the second bird that's still alive, and the cedar, and the hyssop, and the scarlet thread, all be dipped in the blood of that bird that died. Now, after that bird is dipped in the blood of, that, of the other bird, he commands that this bird be let go in an open field. Could you imagine? Here is this little bird with, with, with its feathers stained of blood, set free. What does that speak to you and I of? If the first bird spoke to us of his death, the second bird speaks to us of his resurrection, does it not? Of resurrection. He was raised for our justification, we read in Romans, don't we? And, and concerning the, the, this, this cedar and this hyssop, allow me to be a bit fanciful, maybe. When we consider the cedar... These tall, beautiful trees. Solomon spoke of the, of the cedars of Lebanon. How what marvelous these things were. Tall, vast, beautiful, strong. And the hyssop. But a, a, a low-lying weed to an extent. That, that, that grew on the walls of Jerusalem. What does that speak, speak to us of? I believe he speaks to us of God's judgment. He speaks to us of God's judgment, whether, whether high or low. Wherever you find yourself in it, the entirety of God's judgment from the top to the bottom was dealt with. By who? By Christ himself. For he is a propitiation for our sins. He bore the wrath for our sins, did he not? And we read then that the priest would command the leopard who's, who's now sprinkled seven times with blood to go and to, and to wash his clothes and to wash his body. 
to wash his clothes and to wash his body, to consecrate himself, to set himself aside, to then what? To then now go inside the camp. He was permitted back inside. Interestingly enough, he's permitted inside the camp, but he's not allowed in his tent. He was to dwell outside his tent for seven days. Oh, I also forgot, he was to shave all his hair. And, and he dwelt outside his tent for seven days, and on the seventh day, he, he was commanded again to shave his hair again. What, what is that about? You know, th- there is something to, to, to men and women and their hair. It brings a sense of dignity to it, doesn't it? When somebody lacks it, it doesn't look as nice, does it? I, I, I believe when we consider this leopard who's shaved all his hair, his beard, his eyebrows, what does it typify to those who are walking around him and see him there on a daily basis for seven days dwelling outside his tent? It speaks to us of new beginning. He, he, he doesn't have any glory of his own. But he's there, cleansed, not by anything he's done, but by the grace of God. A new beginning. And beautifully, I'll leave you with this thought. After seven days, he's commanded to shave all his hair again. And it says that on the eighth day, on the eighth day, he shall come to the tabernacle with sacrifice. He shall come with three lambs and a third of ephah of flour and oil. Three lambs. One for a trespass offering. One for a sin offering. One for a burnt offering. And the flour and the oil for a meal offering. It's a beautiful thing to consider when we consider the eighth day. You know, the the number eight signifies to us something in Scripture, doesn't it? It signifies to us resurrection. The eighth day. Sunday. Isn't that a beautiful picture, brothers and sisters? Here on the eighth day, you have lepers who had been cleansed of their defilement gathered together before the presence of God, bringing worship to the living God. First went the the, the trespass offering and then the sin offering, and then came that burnt offering, a sweet-smelling aroma to the Lord. It's a beautiful thing to be gathered this morning, is it not, brothers and sisters? To be gathered around those two simple emblems and to remember the one who came out of the throne of heaven to redeem wretched sinners like you and I. Oh, but to bring a bit of glory to his name. For but a moment to, to cherish him and what he has done for us. That leopard did not stand upon his own merit. He brought a, a, a sin offering and a trespass offering. But then he brings a a burnt offering, an offering of worship to the Lord. What a beautiful thing it is to see a bunch of uh, lepers who have been cleansed gathered around the person of our Lord Jesus Christ.
A lot more can be said concerning these things, but I'm out of time. I pray that the lessons concerning leprosy would resonate in your heart as it has on mine. For these things are not just applicable to, 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 to the assembly as a whole, but they're applicable to you and I on an individual basis. In fact, there's three sections of these portions. There's laws concerning leprosy on the physical person. There's leprosy concerning leprosy on clothes. And concerning leprosy inside a house. One thing I, I didn't mention because we don't have time to get into it, but leprosy encompasses everything. Not just your physical body. Not just the things that come out of you, but the things that we end up doing, our habits. It could also affect those around us in our home, in our family, in our assembly, in our work. And if we do not check sin in our lives the way God dictates us to check it, we could find ourselves... In, in, in a place of lost fellowship with our, our God. Let us pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we thank you, Lord, that you will look upon sinners like us, helpless in our state, unable to, to better our situation, unable to improve on our current status, Lord. Yet you would look down upon us lepers and would look upon us with compassion and would come from the throne of heaven down to this earth, Lord, to redeem wretched sinners, to redeem people unworthy of anything but death. Father, I thank you and praise you this morning. I ask all these things in your son's precious name, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.